to The Office, a podcast where two new friends need to talk about The Office. My name is Nathan. I'm Addie. And this episode is called The Alliance. It came out on April 5th in 2005. 2005. I feel like I say that every time. Yeah, 2005. 2005. Well, let's think back on 2005 again. Here we are. We're back in a time capsule. <laughs> okay, so The Alliance. There's like two storylines going on here in this episode. There sure are. Let me recap them now with this Wikipedia authored episode recap okay. wikipedia anyone can just change the information so you know you're always getting you're the always best getting possible the best. yeah exactly that's why i always trust it i always always it was my my number one friend in college oh <laughs> mine was james <laughs> in this episode paranoia takes over the members of the office as downsizing rumors swirl dwight schrute forms a survivor-esque alliance with Jim Halpert against the other employees, later adding Pam Beasley, also. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Michael Scott arranges a morale-boosting birthday party for Meredith Palmer, although her birthday is more than a month away. Michael agonizes over writing the perfect greeting in her birthday card, and in the end, his joke falls flat, ruining the party. <laughs> I hate when that happens. That happens to me a lot, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Well, just don't write a card then. <laughs> Sorry. I was going to get you this card, but yeah. I didn't want to ruin your party. Yeah. The episode was inspired by popular reality television shows, most notably Survivor. Originally, the first cut of the episode ran 37 minutes long. Wait a minute. We don't need to know that. I'll cut that out. I mean, I won't, but... It's funny that they put the last names in the Wikipedia recap like we didn't mm. know. Oh, Jim Halper. Yeah. Okay. I was getting confused because there's, you know, the other Jim. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> or did they even really say the last names of a lot of them? Have they said those yet? Uh, yeah, I don't know. If only there were a podcast that were tracking these types of things. <laughs> it's too late for us. <laughs> we failed at our original goal. So do you have any quotes or things you like in this Absolutely, episode? I do. Absolutely. I... That's my favorite quote from this episode. And probably, maybe, in my top five from the whole series absolutely i do and it comes from more than one episode do you think that's what pam said when jim proposed absolutely i do <laughs> good <laughs> this, this is a segment called the finer things club my favorite quote was money isn't the key to happiness you know what it is joy <laughs> all and these things convalescence into morale <laughs> <laughs> i also liked of course by saying that she was gambling that i wouldn't smack her <laughs> I know. I was I was like, Pam, get it, girl. Uh, I used to have a shirt that said, absolutely, I do. Really? Yeah, my friend Laura made it for me. And it just had like a little silhouette of Jim's face and it said, absolutely, I do. Wow. Yeah. I don't know what happened to it. I wore it. Look at this. Oh, my God. For everyone who can't see, which is everyone, he's wearing a shirt that says, Bears Beats Battlestar Galactica. And also glasses with hearts on the side. Hey. <laughs> They're masculine. Men know how to love, too. Yeah, that's... Yeah. <laughs> now, these were the cheapest glasses they had on Coastal, and I thought they looked cool. And I needed to get a free pair because it was buy one, get one free. Oh, man. I'm glad I have 20-20 vision. Well, I'm glad you do, too. <laughs> Maybe you've seen some things in this episode that normal eagle-eyed viewers did not spot. I tried. That's for sure. Okay. One thing I liked about this episode that I think we have to talk about is when Michael Scott, just two episodes after bringing up Hillary Clinton, 
is bringing up Donald Trump. I know. I was so shocked when I heard that because I had forgotten about that quote. Yeah. Until I watched it yesterday. This is back when Donald Trump was ruining Tuesday nights on NBC instead of the entire country seven days a week. Yeah. And isn't that so ironic that he says Donald Trump just makes everyone sad? That's no way to run an office. He just makes people sad. I read Fire and Fury. (laughs) Yeah. There's been a thing recently, too, about Donald Trump being evil Michael Scott. Really? I haven't seen that. I mean, I, I can see that if mm-hmm. Michael Scott was evil. I I mean, I think this episode is a really good illustration of the ways that Michael is not evil. Like, he's trying so hard. Mm-hmm. But I can see where if he had evil intentions, then this would be pretty, some of the things he does, pretty messed up. So BuzzFeed had a list called Who Said It, Donald Trump or Michael Scott? Oh, my God. That was in August of 2015, before we knew our national nightmare. How did you score on that quiz? Um, I just looked it up now. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> taken it. Then there was another one from Mashable.com that says Trump's face on Michael Scott turns the office into a true nightmare. Oh, my God. And seven undeniable reasons why Donald Trump is the real Michael Scott from the OdysseyOnline.com. So, yeah, so Michael, Scott, and Trump, they both are really self-absorbed, I think it's fair to say. They both yeah. put their foot in their mouth. They probably stand. both eat kind of the same things. I could see Donald Trump eating, like, five ice cream sandwiches. Yeah. How many filet of fishes do you think Donald Trump's eaten? Probably a lot. Actually, I heard that he likes it, his steak, like, well done with ketchup. I could totally see Michael doing that. Yeah. I bet he drinks his scotch with Splenda. Yeah, totally. So there are a few similarities, but I would say, I would argue that Michael is a better person. Yes. He wants to hire people and he wants them to work there as long as possible. Yeah. As long as they want. So this is based off of Donald Trump's apprentice persona. Yeah. But I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah. His persona is, we've come to find out, not really a persona. Yeah. (laughs) It's like a thing. you never expected you're the murderer. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah, you never expect you're the murderer. And in this episode, Michael is the one who really murders the party. He just wanted to make things up for the for the downsizing. Which he is so avoidant of, but yet uses it in a joke mm-hmm. in Meredith's card. So another thing I like is when Jim says Toby and Kevin try to get Angela kicked off and, and Dwight just goes right along with that because he's already brought up the survivor thing and he's obviously so far down that that he doesn't even realize jim's messing with him by saying things like that i know how do you feel about jim messing with dwight in that way i mean i guess we can talk about that in you never expect you're the murderer but Mm. yeah sure let's talk about it i'm okay with it oh really dwight's dwight's being an idiot in this one yeah (laughs) he's got a conspiracy going He's trying to make an alliance, but it's so that he can stab him in the back later and, like, avoid downsizing. It's ridiculous. And I think Jim has to do it. He's getting back at Dwight for doing the tickets to the gun show thing. Yeah, I mean, that in and of itself is enough for you to mess with somebody. I guess. (laughs) Which Rain Wilson wrote that part. Oh, really? That little gag. Oh. Did you know Rain Wilson? Okay, so back to Absolutely I Do, that's one of Rain Wilson's favorite interactions with Jim in the whole series. Yeah. Did you know that? I saw that. Yeah. Isn't that's, that interesting? That's not 
a good opinion I, are you serious i love that part the gun show absolutely i do that part oh okay yeah. sorry i think no the gun show no I, that's dumb. for a minute i thought we had a segment called absolutely i do about about our about the gun show the best which also relates to donald trump but we won't get into that again if you think we should have a segment called absolutely i do tell us what it should be about Ooh, like you know and we're gonna try to figure out why we love the office if we if we have any things to add to that we could put it in a segment called absolutely yeah okay perfect and that's not necessarily we might not ever do that yeah we may (laughs) never but we may keep it on the table anyway um so back to we have like two plots going on one is michael trying to make a joke for meredith's birthday which is in one month yeah and the second one is the alliance that's going on Mm -hmm. so do you think that those two went together i think they went together like peanut butter and jelly i no. i think they went together like peanut butter sandwiches and ice cream sandwiches like, like not really, but mm-hmm. but still both sandwiches. Both. Yeah, yeah. I I think they're both kind of minor mm-hmm. office things, mm-hmm. which is not a ding. But mm-hmm. I think that if one of them was the entire episode, it might have been a little thin. Yeah, it's a good contrast. I'm glad they combined them. Yeah, it would have been kind of low stakes if just one of those were going on. Yeah, but as both of them were going on, it's it's cool. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I I liked how it came together in the end with the downsizing joke. Yeah? Um, I thought it was tied up really well. The writing was awesome. What other things did you notice in the episode? Did you notice that Dwight didn't have a reusable water bottle? Yeah, I did notice that. Do you think that was odd for 2005 or do you think that was like the thing? It's just weird that you would be the type of person that brings your water from home and have it just be in a... That's what I thought, too. Yeah. Just drink out of a cup or whatever. I mean, that was a hilarious part of the episode. Yeah. He. (laughs) Just holding it up. Oh, well, I have to. It has no label on it. Yeah. It's It's just like he probably just reuses it. So maybe it is a reusable water bottle. It's probably from his well. He should have got a Nalgene. I feel like he would be so into Nalgene. It's a little hippie-ish for him. Yeah, I guess that's true. He, He loves Birkenstocks, though. I use vitamin water bottles over and over again. Nice. Because I drink them anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's not I like, love vitamin water. It's not like I bought it for that. But it's a good size of water bottle. And then when it starts smelling weird, getting you just old, switch. then I just recycle it. Nice job. Recyclops. Recyclops. Yeah, I was just thinking that. <laughs> That's a segment called Recyclops. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing I really loved in this episode is since Meredith's birthday is so far away, she doesn't know that the surprise is for her. And so she turns to... Who is she with? Angela? Angela. She's like, surprise! Surprise! And I'm like, no, it's for you. And Michael gets the ice cream cake, even though she can't eat dairy. Which I didn't know was a health risk for Meredith. Mm-hmm. I liked how they connected healthcare to this episode with the hysterectomy. Yep. That was awesome. It's really important to keep bringing up Meredith's hysterectomy. Yeah, apparently. But- apparently it's hilarious if you don't have a uterus. <laughs> I don't have a uterus, and I thought it was funny. So. <laughs> That's not touché, what you meant. <laughs> touche, touche. Does touche work in that situation? I never know when to use the word touche. Uh, I don't know. I think it's like when you're fencing. That's what everyone says, but yeah, they say touche to me, and I'm like, I don't get it. Oh, that's on guard. Oh. 
I think it's like people say on guard and then you're supposed to be defensive and then someone strikes and then the other person says touche and does it back. And it's a lot of it's a lot of words like that. Okay, well I don't fence, so I'm not gonna say that anymore. And then you're like quip, quip, quip. And then you're like Touche. Uh vice versa. <laughs> vice versa. Uh Michael okay. loves doing the drum roll. Did you notice that? Another drum roll. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like you said, Dwight learned about Meredith's hysterectomy in the last episode. Mm-hmm. And so now when Michael says, what do you know about Meredith? Hysterectomy. Yeah, that's his first thing after he says, I don't think she'd be missed. <laughs> Works at Dunder Mifflin, has received a couple Dundies. Mm-hmm. Hysterectomy. Yep. <laughs> and that's what we know at this point. Anyway. Yeah. It's all the writers know, too, apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're like, what, what about Meredith? I we don't, don't know. know she that has she's... red hair. She, uh... We don't know she's an alcoholic yet. No. But we know she's had two divorces. Yeah. She has the same age as Ann Taylor. No, Elizabeth Taylor. She's actually the same age as Michael, too. And he's, like, making fun of her age the whole time. She is? Actually, I think Michael might be older. What? The actress? Mm -hmm. And Michael? I think, like, I think uh, 41 and 46. I forget which one is which. Whoa. Yeah. At this point in the show? Mm Mm-hmm. Now they're both dead. They would be 100 today. (laughs) Hundred and hundred and six. <laughs> Had they lived? <laughs> oh, if they only knew what it was like <laughs> to live in this time. But the character Michael is supposed to be the same age as Phyllis, mm-hmm. roughly, because they went to school together. Yeah, but he always makes fun of her age too. I think he just like he, he's lacking in self awareness. No, another another example of how he's exactly like Donald Trump. Yep, they both. <laughs> i know it's revolutionary i just came up with that idea yeah oh another thing i noticed was the customer complaint grenade on michael's desk i've never seen that before the what it's it's like a grenade but there's a custom it says i i don't know what the tag says i didn't see it but it probably says complaint take a number below and then the number is on a pin of the grenade so supposedly you take it out and then get blown up (laughs) although the person sitting behind the desk would also probably get blown up so i don't really know plus one-time use also yeah. i don't think it's a real grenade yeah probably not but that that's good for someone who doesn't have 2020 vision i can't believe you noticed that thank you i still have <laughs> eagle eyes they're just like not very good oh <laughs> uh, that's good i yeah i try to notice what's on his desk i feel like it's always changing and i really like those posters that are always in the background that are like teamwork yeah the motivational ones yeah Remember when they were making those demotivational posters for a while? That was like a thing. Oh, yeah. There was one that had like a the guy sitting on a baseball bench with his hand in his head and it said, failure. If at first you don't succeed, failure just might be your style. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And the last thing I have for that is the baseball team bobbleheads that were on Dwight's desk in the deleted scenes for this episode. So I assume they were in there for the rest of the episode, too. But I never saw him. In the deleted scenes, they're showcased because he's hitting all of them. I don't think it's about the baseball. I think he just really likes the um, bobbleheads. Maybe he got them on clearance because who wants a bobblehead of every baseball? Like, you know, baseball players only have so many famous players. Or maybe he got them on Craigslist. Yeah, for free. Yeah, I could see that happening. I think he would be a big fan of Craigslist. I think so, too. It's where he could sell princess unicorn dolls. Oh, my God, yeah. My horn can pierce the sky. <laughs> Are we ready for our next segment? Yeah, could we do the segment called Question? 
Question. Answer. Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. Okay, what's the question? So when Dwight climbs into a box in the warehouse, how does it fall over? <laughs> I don't understand how you could be in a box like that and tip it over without really, really trying. He, Yeah, he's like straining to hear what Pam has to say. But I love that scene. I know it's kind of dorky, but it's so funny because she's just she's sort of like run away because she's laughing so hard. <laughs> I like that he's cutting the holes. Yeah, while, while she's, she's talking, like she does. How does he not know? When he cut him earlier, yeah. Why did Pam go down to the warehouse to have this conversation? I have no idea. On her flip phone. I mean, I guess they schemed that out, but yeah. So another thing, Oscar's nephew is running a walkathon, which is, I guess, the C plot. It ties in mostly with Meredith's birthday. But he said that his nephew, who's doing a walk for cerebral palsy, later on in the deleted scene, Michael confronts him about not being upfront that his nephew doesn't have cerebral palsy. And they don't say it in the deleted scene, but the implication is that he thought he wasn't going to walk that many miles if he had cerebral <laughs> palsy. <laughs> Do you think that's what he was getting at? Yeah, totally. But... Either way, it doesn't matter because Michael doesn't realize it's a walkathon, and Oscar doesn't say it's a walkathon. No, he, he doesn't. And then he guilts Michael and says, "You can't really undonate money." And it's like, well, Michael didn't understand what a walkathon was. Yeah, he was trying to sign it real quick in front of the cameras, but Oscar didn't say he's doing a walkathon. Three dollars, one dollar. I'll give twenty-five. That's right. So funny. Do you think that's where he got the idea for the um, rabies walkathon? Mm. But they don't make any money, really, doing that. <laughs> they spend it all on a giant check. They sure do. For a rabies doctor. <laughs> yeah. They so, have the stripper nurse accept it. I'm glad she got her degree. <laughs> so Jim donated $3, which is going to be like 50 bucks. Let's assume that his nephew is going to walk the same number of miles again. 18 18 So that would be $54. Michael would have to give $450. And... Let's say he's going to do 20 miles because he's a little bit bigger. And he year. realizes that someone's going to give him $25 per mile. Right. I would I would be like, I'm walking all day. Yeah. That could be $500. Yeah. That's a lot of money for a man like Michael who doesn't make that much money. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the other. That wasn't my question. My question was, how do you write the check for the charity before... That's what I was wondering, because when I was watching it, I was like, how much did he write that check for? Yeah. You just and then I it? was like, uh, probably 450 Was it a blank check? Like oh a that movie God. blank check? Oh, my God. And Oscar's going like, to be building a pool in his own house and a slide that goes out the top and a video game system that's massive and it become friends with Sinbad or someone. <laughs> don't look. <laughs> and he's like, don't cash it till Friday. Yeah. That's something I would say. Yeah. Because we know Michael... That comes up a lot, right? That Michael doesn't make that much money. Yeah. Well, that comes up in money, but also like the not cashing checks. Like he can't pay back Holly for the Counting Crows tickets on Scott's tots. He like <laughs> makes sure that they check at checks in before he like cashes each check for books. Because he spends a lot on, on magic. Yep. And kits. The Muppet complete set. <laughs> and like workout gear and stuff. All right. My last question was... Why did Dwight bleach his hair after Jim publicly admitted that he was just messing with him? Yeah, I was wondering that, too. It's for a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's. I mean, it's still funny. Yeah. I got it. But um, I guess it's because Dwight thought that he didn't, he didn't want to have to reveal the alliance. 
to um, Roy. But he still did. No, Dwight didn't. But he denied it, yeah. But then why did... Jim already sold him out. Why would he think Jim was telling the truth? Why would he think Jim's telling the truth the entire episode? That's good My point. question is, why didn't the documentary crew tell Dwight that Jim was just messing with him the whole time? Was it because they they wanted to keep the integrity of the documentary? Or yes. Okay. Because they, they're right. like nature documentaries. They can't like stop. You can't be like, oh, that cute lion's going to get eaten by a hyena. Because that would have totally ruined Lion King. No, I just feel like I would have... I wouldn't be a good documentarian. Mm-mm. Because I would be like, hey... Get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like sometimes I'm making a bad documentary when I honk my horn so that idiot squirrels and geese will get out of the road before some other car comes. <laughs> Your life is a documentary. Hey, and when stop you, it. Yeah, when you tell someone. I'm getting in the way of survival of the fittest. Yeah. And it's let like, nature do its job. It's like the people that like don't let seagulls eat the baby turtles on the way to the ocean. <laughs> it's like the guy that invented seatbelts. Yeah. <laughs> That's like evolutionarily not sound. No. <laughs> okay. So speaking of the documentary, that's like our segment. I got to make sure YouTube comes down to film this. Yeah. What did you think about the documentary crew in this episode? So this episode is the most reality TV show like. Like they talk about Donald Trump, The Apprentice, talking about Survivor, Survivor a lot. And the camera guy... Randall Einhorn was a former Survivor crew member. He's the one that shot the episode. So he got that real good Survivor look. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, and in the deleted scenes, they get Dwight to say immunity, and that is because of the documentary crew. So they did tweak it a little bit. Like the documentary crew told Jim that That, that they had said it. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because they didn't want him to wait 10 years for Mm -hmm. it to come out on TV, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on PBS. (laughs) Yeah. Like, what if they didn't include that part? It totally would be on PBS, the office documentary. An American workplace. Yeah. A, a portrait of an American workplace. As a dog. <laughs> Do you have any other thoughts about the documentary style in this one? Hmm. I don't think so. I don't really... All I had was that thought about the documentary crew. Okay. I think that's fair. It wasn't a lot, you know. Yeah, I mean, it was the, It was continuing the same... Um, I mean, I'm always thinking about that, you know, and why the original British office used that to begin with. And I've actually been looking into that style. And um, people keep talking about the War of the Worlds, Orson Welles. Mm -hmm. Um, Or maybe it was a a radio interview. It was a radio show. Yeah, a radio show. And that was kind of the first example of a mockumentary. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I think um, popularized by Spinal the British. Well, yes, this is Spinal Tap. But I think more widely adopted, at least in television, by The Office, the British version, and then, you know, it carries through. But yeah, I'm always thinking about that. Like, what is the purpose? Yeah, it's a different style. And then Modern Family isn't a documentary, but people still talk to the camera. Yeah, I know. It's like, it's not as subtle. Yeah. Well, Arrested Development was supposed to be like a documentary, too. Mm-hmm. And they based that one off of, I think it was called An American Family. Mm-hmm. It was like a, a real documentary, and they kind of took that style. But Arrested Development isn't as documentary as The Office because they don't talk to the camera. Yeah, and at like a certain point, yeah. you don't even notice it unless you're looking for it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to 
use that lens as we go through. Yeah. They said they were worried about The Office looking too much like Curb Your Enthusiasm, but they thought the fact that it was a documentary and people actually interacted with the camera, making it a little bit different. Like, they, the actors knew there were people filming them, whereas, yeah, Curb Your Enthusiasm is still supposed to be a show. That's just the mm-hmm. style of filming it. Yeah, I was watching Curb Your Enthusiasm the other day. I love that show. Yeah. What do you think about the last season? Not as good. There was... That's, I like there was one episode. Three. Yeah. I like I like it a lot. I like the Seinfeld season too. I like all the seasons except for the last season had an episode, I think it was episode 3 or something that was so bad. I couldn't believe it. My wife Brian and I were just talking for like an hour about the ways in which that episode failed and the way that like in old episodes they would have handled it. Like it was weird. Larry David might have been just not feeling it. I guess cuz the one thing I love about Curb and I guess it gets formulaic, but is that like things pay off? Yeah, and it always ways, wraps up. Yeah, there were ways that that episode could have paid off. It was either the second or third one. There was ways that it could have paid off that you could see coming, and instead nothing happened. Like it wasn't like they maybe they did it. that on purpose. They could have, but like it would have been, it would have been more satisfying. Yeah. Anyway, just scroll over to our other podcast. It's called Curb Stomp. <laughs> Actually, if anybody out there wants to do a <laughs> podcast called Curve Stomp, let me know. We'll be guests on it. <laughs> or we'll be the host and you won't be on it. <laughs> okay. So, characters. Do you think the world's crawling with Phyllis's? Yes. Or is that a... Oh, that's our segment. <laughs> it, was ret- it was rhetorical. <laughs> the world is crawling with Phyllis's. <laughs> oh, thank God. Ryan, we learned that it's his birthday. Oh, yeah, that was cute. That was a cute moment. And they set up a Ryan character trait of like not wanting to get too involved. involved. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a distance. That'll happen, obviously, a lot more when he becomes mm-hmm. the fire guy. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't want to be a part of this. And who can blame him? Because it's earlier Chaos. on, he might have seemed like a jerk for saying that. Yeah. But then because it's after the whole debacle with Meredith's party, he's he just looks so pleased with himself for having to avoid this. And he knows. He won't have to deal with it for at least a year now. And he's a temp. Probably won't even be there in a year. Yeah. Because if that was his career, he would... What does Jim say? Throw himself in front of a train. In front of a train, yeah. It's a bad way to go. And you know what? It's traumatizing to the train driver, too. Yeah. Don't put anybody else in that position. There was somebody that jumped off a bridge to kill themselves, like an overpass. And landed on someone's car. Yeah. And it killed the person in the car. And it didn't kill the person that jumped off the bridge. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, no. I'm not. It's real. That was in the news like last year or something. Maybe two years ago. I don't know. But that's sad. Yeah, that's really sad. That person already wanted to kill themselves. And now they murdered an innocent person and didn't die. Failed at killing themselves. That's messed up. I'm not laughing at that at all. (laughs) (laughs) Me either. (sighs) So what did you think about Dwight other than the plastic bottle thing? Well, I think, yeah, he's... He's kind of... It's like, come on, Dwight. I mean, I know that he's trying to manipulate Jim, but he's not that good at it. And he just comes off as an idiot. He's just really worried about downsizing. He doesn't want to lose his job. And I get that. But he'll go to great lengths to not lose his job at the paper company. Yeah. The paper factory. (laughs) It's not a factory. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what do you think about Dwight? Well, they set up that he does like reality TV show. 
Mm-hmm. Later on, they do say when Jim's trying to convince him that it's a different day of the week that he does watch The Apprentice, and he was like wondering who Trump fired. And later on, when Ryan's at corporate in New York, he says that he dated someone that looked just like someone that was on the second or third season of Survivor, and Dwight's the only one nodding along, like, "Yep." I could see him really loving Survivor. Yeah, seems like he would think it's kind of fake. Yeah, but it's it totally went to his head. It's like that time I tried to watch The Bachelor and then I just like became jealous of everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Survivor just like went straight to his head and so now he thinks that he can get immunity from being fired and stuff. Right. Did you ever watch Survivor? I did, but it, I wasn't like a hardcore fan. I remember in 2005 people just loving it. Yeah. I think I watched it. Yeah, the first one was probably in 2000, first season. I watched uh, probably the seasons that were out 2003 and four. I think I was still watching it in 2005, actually. I remember watching it on NBC.com. That was kind of an earlier yeah of, of watching it. I remember them putting the flame out. That was so symbolic and very powerful. Yeah, they'd snuff you out. Yeah. Snuff out your... You voted off the island. Snuff out your career as a celebrity. Or as a paper salesman. And the only other thing I had for Dwight is when Jim says they're trying to get Angela voted off or kicked off, he goes, good, that helps our cause. So obviously, he's not into Angela yet. Not yet. Later on, he might say that, but there'd be a little... He would look at the camera. He would look at the camera and be like, you know. Yeah, I don't care. Why would I care about Angela? She's just some person over in accounting. I would never drive her slips that she forgot to send all the way to new york city and then take the fall and then have to get a job at staples never Mm. do you really not know because it is a big deal to sign the slips yep so send that tax paperwork in so what do you think about dwight's hair before we move on from dwight when he gets bleached or before do you like it bleached you know i think he should have bleached his eyebrows too Uh... it would have gone better well, it was just a wig, so he probably couldn't put a, a bleached wig over his little tiny toupees. Ooh, that's a good company. Tiny toupees. Tiny toupees. For your eyebrows. It's it's the the toupee company for the occasion in every man's life. <laughs> yeah. Whether getting married or just hanging around the house. <laughs> What's that shoe company? Shoe la la. Shoe la la. Tiny toupee and shoe la la. Yeah, um... Obviously, he doesn't have that next week, so I don't feel like feel like they lied to us. Mm-hmm. I don't even feel like he's going to Stanford. Yeah. Connecticut. To be continued. So Stanford is the only branch they've really been talking about, and it's the one that Josh is the, you know, that's the downsizing. Call of Duty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, the very first scene of this episode is Dwight hanging outside the bathroom and confronting Michael when he leaves. That happens to Michael so much. Yeah, he just comes out of the bathroom and all of a sudden it's it, an attack. It happened last episode. Is that the first time that um, Michael corrects him and says assistant to the regional manager? Or have we heard that before? Um, I feel like we've heard it before. I, yeah, I think so. I think it's in the first episode. The title means nothing. That's what he says, right? Something like that. Or he says, should I be worried? And he goes, mm, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I love that. But yeah, confronting Michael right outside the bathroom is a great, a great It's a good tactic. I'm going to use that. Yeah. For people. Okay. Next, I wanted to continue with the characters a little bit with about the party planning committee. The party planning biatches. Mm -hmm. Angela, 
Phyllis, and Pam. Angela came to life in this episode. Yeah, she found her character here. She's being super mean. She thinks green is whorish. But she just says it because... Because Pam said it? Yep. Mm-hmm. She thinks Pam is whorish. She does. And of course, this will be called back way later when Phyllis is wearing orange. And she says to Angela, I thought you said green is whorish. And she says, no, orange is whorish. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about that. When is that? I don't, I don't recall. We'll try to remember that. Yeah. But it's because then I think Angela says, let's have green. Oh, yeah. I or, remember uh, that. Phyllis says, let's have green. And then she just looks up for a second to see whatever color Phyllis is wearing and then says that. Yeah. The PPC. This is the start of a lot of drama for the PPC. Mm-hmm. Mint chocolate chip. I hated that. I hate when he says that. Mint chocolate chip. I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> then at the end, when Michael is criticizing the streamers, she throws Phyllis under the bus and says that Phyllis wanted red streamers. I did it. And then Phyllis is like, oh boy, you. Because Phyllis is really meek. She's throwing out all those suggestions like really quietly. Yeah. Angela rules with an iron fist. And Pam is pretty meek, but she threatens to slap her. Yeah. Oh, because Angela doesn't gamble. So what do you think about Pam? Pam didn't really register too much on this one for me, except that she's obviously a fun person who loves pranking and she loves jim she's going along with well maybe not love but she likes pranking with jim yeah and she came up with a lot of the elements of it themselves and they are having a lot of fun pranking she came up with saying the story and then she's the one that goes down to the warehouse to do that thing and then roy shows up so what do you think about that altercation I mean, I think it's an indication of some serious, unhealthy relationship going on. <laughs> relationship things. Um, I agree. Poor but Jim. do you think Jim crossed the line by like, because he's not just, he didn't just have his arm around her. But I he's don't... also holding her hand with the other hand. Yeah. And that's a little, it is weird. If someone did that to me when they were excited. Yeah, that is weird. Although, I don't think that he was like, doing that in any way that would suggest anything i think he was just like really excited about their prank and then roy walked in and was like it's really natural it did the way that it was acted seemed really natural too like they definitely have good chemistry on screen he is in love with her yeah so i think he just does things like that if it were subconsciously yeah if it were me i'd probably be overthinking that yeah and be like really either doing it on purpose or cautiously not doing it yeah but the weird thing is that roy thinks that he's copping a feel which is kind of weird yeah but also he doesn't seem to like it doesn't stick because later on he's you know fine with jim again well i think it's because roy is just automatically jealous of any person that talks to Pam and so he's really he's really not jealous he's just like asserting his dominance right because he later on says isn't Jim gay yeah and so I think he's just kind of like saying hey this is my woman you know so I mean I didn't really even think that much about what Jim's body language was saying but I was thinking like Roy you know, if Roy was uncomfortable with that, he should have said, hey, Pam, that's kind of making me uncomfortable. Instead of like, what are you trying to cop a feel, Jim? It's yeah. like, 
And then Pam doesn't say anything, you know. I guess she doesn't really, there's nothing for her to say, but it's just really uncomfortable. She really just feels embarrassed. Yeah, and it is embarrassing. It's like when we're walking on the sidewalk and then somebody with dog walks by and my dog barks at their dog. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't know this dog. He's really nice at home. (laughs) His name is Gambit. This scene is one of the British office scenes, essentially. It's the same thing. They're doing a, a big prank and they're all huddled together and boyfriend walks in, fiance, unhappy. And it is, yeah. it's even worse than that one. This one, I always forget that it's coming. Yeah. And it's interesting because Jim in his separate interviews is like, you know, there's a couple of moments where you can really tell that he likes her and... It's like, is Roy going to watch this documentary? Because yeah. there are some moments where I'm like, Jim, he probably already has the ring bought. Remember when he says, oh, yeah, I bought it the first day I met her or something? I'm like, dude, that's a little creepy. So the day they started going down. Oh, okay. So we have a ways to go. Maybe he's like Andy and just had a ring forever. Because <laughs> you never know when you're going to meet the right girl. I can't wait for Andy. I don't really even like Andy that much, but I'm excited for him to show up. He's a good element in the office. Yeah. So, some people really aren't doing much. Stanley, Creed, Toby. Um, Toby had a great deleted scene. Kelly's not there again. So, I, I really do think they thought that was just a one-off character mm-hmm. for a while. Well, because maybe they... didn't have they, anything for her to say. Yeah, and they didn't think that she was going... Maybe they didn't think the show was going to go past the first season. Hmm. So, they didn't, weren't worried about developing that character. The Toby deleted scene is... Hilarious. Really good. The mm-hmm. deleted scenes, if you have the DVD, you have to watch the deleted scenes What's for this one. What's a DVD? It's like a, um MP3 for your movies, but that it's also on a on a tape deck. It's like a miniature pancake that plays movies. Perfect. <laughs> anyway. I think I have a couple of those. Yeah. So this was a 37-minute episode, so they almost made it into two episodes. They didn't, and I think it's a good idea that they didn't, but some of those deleted scenes are so funny. There was one with Dwight setting his password. That one was pretty good. Mm-hmm. One where he throws away stuff in the fridge. Just a lot of that office stuff. Mm-hmm. Dwight... That seems so natural. They're mm-hmm. just like interacting. Yeah. Dwight pretending to smoke after he leaves the outside uh, meeting that he has with Jim. Yeah, that was a really funny scene in, in the um, in the episode too. Jim is so cool in that scene. Yeah, he is. He like, sets because off that we're... alarm. Because we're strong, Dwight. Yeah, because we're strong. Dwight sets off the alarm, and, and then he just, just like, oh my doesn't god, even look and turns off the alarm while he like is so cool. Like, what a heartthrob. Mm. Then we have like some stuff with Meredith and Michael, including the worst joke. Yeah, about downsizing. Off. the The downsizing one, the other one, but the he makes the even worse joke at the end of his jokes about he says, "What's the difference between Meredith and Michael Jackson?" Oh, yeah. And the punchline is, Michael Jackson's surgery was unnecessary, to which Meredith says, are you talking about my hysterectomy? And he goes, yeah. And then she starts crying. Which is really unlike Meredith. I'm glad they cut that out, because I don't think Meredith would... First of all, she'd be drunk, so she'd, like, get in Michael's face. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, she would say that. Yeah. She's not happy at all. No, but she's way more assertive later on. All the characters are, I think. Mm -hmm. But that's an awkward joke. And I don't know. Maybe it's tough. She has two kids. 
probably was she probably wanted to have another kid for the vacation time but now she can't because of her hysterectomy <laughs> and dwight confronts ryan about the alliances i don't know some of them are good some of them are kind of blah but they're all like pretty worth being in the show i would think if, mm-hmm. if there were two episodes it'd be, they'd be pretty strong ones mm-hmm. but they'd be really uh like plot ways they'd be a little weak yeah i like those um those episodes that are two episodes long like i like mm-hmm. the longer ones like season four yeah there's Starts like a, a couple yeah i like those um mm-hmm. i don't i mean i think they would have totally separated if they were to make this into two episodes, they would have probably totally separated them into different mm-hmm. plots. But I really like the ones that are, you know, like an hour and a half. Because you forget that they're like an hour and a half. You just watch it. It's like a movie. Yeah. There's some jumbo-sized episodes that came out where they were longer, but they weren't double. And they would cut those down to one when mm. they showed them on reruns. Mm-hmm. And there, then there were the double ones, which they would cut into half. Mm. So they had to kind of end... You know, mm-hmm. but those other ones, I don't know if the ones on Netflix are the bonus sized ones. Yeah, the jumbo I'm not signs, sure. But I'm not sure. I have the DVDs for the first couple of seasons. You can buy the complete series for $36. The complete series? Right now on Amazon, like oh, brand new. Are that's, you serious? That's under a dollar a disc. There's like 39 discs in there. Oh, it's probably going to go up if they take it off of Netflix. So we should probably get it now. I remember getting... I wish that the... it was on sale before because I already bought three seasons separately. So now it doesn't feel like it's worth it. But I should... Maybe when I get it, my tax return. Yeah. That's what I say about everything. <laughs> well, they've been like... They've been like... The price goes up and down, but it's a good price right now. But yeah, I remember buying the season separately when I was like in high school at this place called like vintage disc or like something like that where it was like you know people could turn in their cds and dvds and i would like wait for somebody to turn in the office season four so i could have it on dvd because i really like those um commentaries and deleted scenes Mm -hmm. i think that's a really good deal i don't know it's hard yeah it really is uh i'm still thinking about it if anyone's trying to give me a gift that'd be a good one Mm -hmm. so Let's move on from these other characters and just go right into You Never Expect You're the Murderer with our impression of Michael and Jim. We've already kind of talked about both of them. Michael thinks he's really funny and that like the most important thing is him making up the most funny joke and he also wants credit for it. When he doesn't get that, he has to lean on his generosity, forced generosity. (laughs) I wasn't going to bring this up, but I did make a sizable donation to Oscar's nephew's cause. And then he tries to start a clap for him, which thankfully no one joins in with. I, th- I would maybe think Kevin might a little. Yeah, maybe. But, I mean, that that donation, he's really proud of himself for even doing it. Then he's, like, making fun of Jim for giving so little. Then he finds out he gave more than he thought he did, and he tries to get out of it. And then during the cutaway, when he does his story about how he d- his imaginary story where he donated a hospital wing anonymously and then hangs out at the hospital wing so he can tell people it was him is so funny oh my god yeah it's his imaginary world where he lives on a yacht yeah so obviously did pretty pretty well well. yeah and he donated a hospital wing so he's not gonna be worried about how much money he has he's gonna be thinking about all the friends he has yeah and he's playing with his great grandkids on teaching them how to ride their bikes and by this time i would have wanted to have five kids already so yeah. i got a couple of kids of my own i want to have someday 
But Poor Michael. Did you ever see that Curber Enthusiasm where there's the anonymous donations and everyone thinks Larry David's a like a terrible person for putting his name on it and then Ted Danson did it, but he goes around and tells everyone that he did it? Basically this. Yeah. Oh my god, Larry David. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, he's just like telling everyone, but everyone's like, Oh, and he did it anonymously. He's such a hero. Yeah. <laughs> it's me. I'm Michael Scott. That was Michael Scott. Because you're telling that story, you think it was like probably someone that just found out. Like, what a great man. It's me. <laughs> but then it is Michael Scott hanging out. Like, the the layers of of how good that is. It's just yeah, that rating. It's the it's like a great scenario, like the curve one. But it's also the way the story unfolds, where you don't realize it's him until the end, even though that was obviously in Michael's head the whole time. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty, 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 pretty good. Pretty good. Okay. We're going to talk about the writing and production in our segment called Great Scott Productions. Great Scott. I already mentioned the two episode things and the cameraman, but did you have anything else for this one? Well, I mean, the writing was really good in this episode. <laughs> that's, that's something. I wish we could just collect all of our statements from before because I feel like we've talked about writing and production a little bit. Mm-hmm. But how do we compile it into the great Scott? Well, I had something for this one. Greg Daniels, the creator, made the writers spend time on the set while they were writing. And most notably in Michael's office. That's a great idea. Mindy Kaling, Kelly, later noted that she, quote, hated it. (laughs) According to Wikipedia. And a lot of the lines and scenes from this episode were improv or ad-libbed. Ad-libbed. (laughs) Ad-libbed. I gotta work on my ab libs. <laughs> Several of the lines and scenes from this episode were improv or ad libbed by the cast. Jenna Fisher named the party planning scene her favorite scene and called it, quote, longest, most horrible meeting of all time. <laughs> and she said that the scene was almost entirely ad libbed. That's awesome. I love how they create that dynamic together and then they can just film it because it, it seems so natural. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that's how they got Jim and Pam's interaction to seem so natural, too. Um, yeah. Do you think, did they film this in, uh, were they in Pennsylvania? No, I don't think so. They were back in California? I don't think they filmed barely anything there. Oh. Hmm. But, um, oh, it also said, Dwight's gun show joke was written by Rain Wilson, as I said, but Larry Wilmore later called the gun show scene his favorite. What? <laughs> yeah, that's not that funny. <laughs> was he only there for this first season because even then they were better wait larry wilmore is um mr black right mr brown mr (laughs) i'm not gonna call him mr black (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah i mean there were so many funnier moments in diversity day i don't know why he would say that that's like the most overused joke i've ever heard yeah greg daniel also praised the episode's line saying when you know the acting is really good, it all sounds like it's been improvised. Which I think is a really good observation. Yeah, that's a great attitude to have, especially for this kind of show. Yeah, it was another thing. The scenes where Dwight climbs into the box almost did not make the episode. Mike Schur, who wrote the episode, feared that Dwight climbing into the box would not only make the episode, quote, crazy broad, but also make the rest of the episode look boring by comparison. Interesting. So sexist to call it crazy broad. I know. That's actually what I was just thinking. (laughs) But it's also insane because it's how outlandish the show gets later. 
But Mike Schur went to co-create Parks and Rec and Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and he plays Moe's. So Mike Schur is a cool guy. I know. I did think that the box was a little bit out of... uh, out of touch with the rest of the episode because it did seem a little bit far-fetched but that's the kind of stuff that i really like in Mm -hmm. the earlier seasons where it's just kind of sprinkled in yeah you know yeah it's not over the top it's kind of like believable because you know it goes along with the plot it's just a little bit out there right so i think because this episode's going pretty long we should just skip the like reviews from the time yeah who cares yeah Honestly. We don't care about 2005. So let's give out our Dundies and then do our ratings. How about that? Perfect. I don't know which one I'm giving you. The Dundee? Yeah. The Dundee was really hard for me to think about. I was like, who do I give it to? I want to think outside the box, so I'm not going to give it to Dwight. Get it. Oh. I like that. You have to say yours first because I said mine first last time. Okay. And then you said, okay, I'm not going to do either one of those. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to Oscar. Hmm. I'm going to give the award to Ryan Howard for most secretive birthday. That's a good one. I was thinking about Ryan Howard for the best hair. Oh. But I'm not going to do that. He dodged a bullet. And I think dodging a bullet is really hard. So good for him. Good job, Ryan. You did it. And now we know when your birthday is. Do we, though? (laughs) We don't know when this episode was. Yeah, that's true. I guess we're just going to assume his birthday is... April 5th, 2005. And this was his first birthday. He was just born. (laughs) Even though he was in the last episode. No, we'll think it's April 5th. What's your Dundee? I am going to give it to Oscar for being the most persistent person to try to get donations for cerebral palsy. Very nice. Is that a good Dundee? I want to shorten it a little. It's going to Oscar for being the most persistent. How about most funds raised? Most funds raised. Funds raised. <laughs> no, I I agree. If I were Oscar and someone said, I didn't realize it was walkathon. I didn't mean to donate. I don't think I can give 450 to $500. I'd be like, sorry. Less. You already signed. Sorry. Really? I'd say, oh, okay. Yeah, totally. No, you're right. I would, I would just be like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Like, I guess that you... I would kind of guilt trip them. Yeah. I would but I'd like, probably give the money back. I'm going to call the hospital and let them know there'll be no Christmas for the cerebral palsy kids. But here you go. Here's your $24 back. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Like, no, that's that's fine. And then just, like, make a phone call. Like, just pretend to make a phone call and be like, hello? No Christmas. Hospital? I'm sorry. We don't have enough money for a cure. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Tell the kids I'm sorry. Tell everyone in the Michael Scott wing. <laughs> Yeah, Oscar just says, I think it's a little tacky to undonate. It's like, you deserve a donate for that, dude. Yeah. Because I wouldn't have said that. I agree. Now we have to do the rating. And it's out of six. So six is... Let's count them up this time. Okay. What do you mean? Oh, one. Yeah, one out of six is, this just stinks. Two out of six is garbage the cats. It's not garbage, but it is eating garbage yeah and if you cleaned it up a little you could say it came to find you because destiny you could even name it sprinkles three out of six is a little stitious and four out of six is alfredo's pizza cafe not to be confused with pizza by alfredo which is a hot circle of garbage five out of six is it's beach day six out of six is pretzel day stanley's favorite day of the year but pretzel day i like pretzel day 
<laughs> I'm going to give it a beach day. I thought it was a solid episode. Not too many complaints. I wish there were more characters involved, but we'll get to that. So mm-hmm. beach day it is. Good. That's five out of six. I'm going to give it Alfredo's Pizza Cafe. I don't have any problems with this episode, but it's not one I think about a lot. I, I don't feel like it's that memorable other than the alliance, maybe the box scene. I think for me, absolutely, I do. Brings it up a notch. I think Ooh, about it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, I do. Yeah. So that's why it's, I think without that, those three words, it would have been down to Alfredo's Pizza Cafe. But here we are at Beach Day. Are, um, that's politics, Are you planning baby. on ever getting married? No. Oh. <laughs> Wouldn't it be good to have in your vows and be like, do you take this person to blank, blank, blank? If so, say absolutely I do. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe just I, like a I subtle would, little thing. Yeah, I would love that. Or they could just say I do and you could say absolutely I do. And you'd have to say it like in a kind of creepy voice like Jim, like absolutely I do. <laughs> I don't know if you want to creep up your wedding. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm not getting married. Because yeah. I would creep up my wedding. <laughs> Yeah, it was great. It was a little creepy. It's cool. Another line that I forgot to mention, that's politics, baby. That's politics, baby. At the end. So we open with Michael talking about Donald Trump, and then we close with Dwight saying, that's politics, baby. Throw him to the wolves. That's politics, baby. Just like Donald Trump. (laughs) The entire country. Throw him to the wolves. (laughs) And everyone's loyal to him. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. That's it. We did great. We did. That's the off five coming at you from Foco, Colorado. Why not take a look at our Facebook page or our newly minted Instagram that you created? What's it? What's it called? The off five at the off five podcast. Cool. No underscores or anything. No, because nobody else had that username, so I was able to snatch it up. Classy. Mm-hmm. Classy. Yeah. Send us an email at the off five podcast at gmail dot com. And let us know why you listened to the podcast. How you stumbled upon us. Why you like our voices. Yeah. What Dundee you would give us. Yeah. If any. And don't hurt our feelings. I mean, I don't. I don't my feelings are... Yeah, I actually don't. Don't hurt I'm me. not. Yeah. That's politics, think... baby. <laughs> Absolutely, I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh... All right. Well, that was it. Good. Only an hour. What's the uh, most you've ever spent at a Taco Bell? Uh, oh, I don't know. Probably like eight bucks. But anytime I've spent more than three or four dollars at Taco Bell, I've been disappointed because it's not a food that gets better with more. It's like, oh, I'm going to upgrade today. I'm going to get the what Chalupa. Yeah, I'm going to get it with steak <laughs> and cheese in the, in the shell. I never get meat there. That's a rule for me. Really? I always say beans instead of meat. Because if- the meat, you don't know where it came from. I do. Terrible. Horse. It's horse. It's Alpo. Uh, no, the, what I really like there is the crispy potato soft taco. Yeah. You had that? Um, yeah, I think I have. I don't know. I'm usually there when I'm not in the right state of mind to remember right. what I had before. Oh, okay. So I, my usual is just the Crunch Shop Supreme, Supreme with beans instead of meat. That's cool. 
So anyway, this has been Taco Bell. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs>